Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Podcast. This is podcast number 408. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, I have my co-host, John White. John, how are you doing? Doing really well, thanks. Uh, today's our Color of the Bay report is kind of a kind of a boring gray-blue. Uh, it's uh, across the Dumbarton Bridge. For, for those of you not familiar with the, the Bay, there's I don't know, 17 bridges across it. I'm, I'm not sure the exact number, but Dumbarton is the southmost one. And uh, the, the odd thing today was I, I saw like a, some debris, like a log, like a tree had fallen in and was just, just floating around. I, I, I don't know how often that happens. It's the first time I've ever seen it. Well, I mean, at least it's it's not smoky gray. No, oh, it's my just goodness. bluish yeah. gray. We've managed to get through some of the fires. We're supposed to get rain yeah. tomorrow, so possibly we'll get some relief out of the out of the, the Bay Area. We've got another fire that started yesterday down at uh, Boulder Creek oh, uh, in Santa Cruz, which was also geez another one there on that side of the. Some uh, friends that are in standby mode on that. It's scary. Yeah, yeah. I watched the videos of those guys, and man, once that go, gets going, you you can't do anything about it. It's like a it's like a mini hurricane that's just mm. like got embers blowing through right, instead of rain, right? right? So, um, good luck to those guys. Uh, so anyway, on this show today we have uh, Michael Roy. Uh, he is the uh, product manager for Workstation Fusion. He's been on the show before, so. Uh, welcome, welcome back on the show. And we are in the brand new room, which we're calling our studio, and we're live streaming today for the first time. So. It is. It's a, it's a very nice looking studio. Um, you know, looks like a nice corner office. You nice corner office, office, right? We got, the, we got the corner office. Ever since I've been at VMware, this office has been always the one that I go, oh man, I wish I could have that office. That is like corner glass overlooks the mountainside. It's a very pretty view. I think Rich Sherwin tweeted out a photo that got retweeted a bunch of times if you want to see the view. Or you can uh, check out the live stream, although we've got the blinds kind of turned down so that the light uh, doesn't blind everybody. The live stream is at uh, facebook.com slash vmtncommunity, all one word. Uh, and you can go watch us. You can see us. We're, we're here. So we're all wearing our nicest clothes. Right. Uh, thanks for everybody. You know, it's good. it's kind of coming, and I see we got people on chat, so that's great. Um, so Fusion has, uh, you know, released. Workstation has released. So you're back to talk about what's happening. Fusion 10 is an anniversary edition, so we'll get to hear a little bit about that. Um, so that's cool. And then Workstation 14, I think, which is 17 years old. So we just keep marching on with that. So talk a little bit about that again. And but before we do that, I guess I'll just do a roundtable. Uh, do we have any anything we want to share with regards to things going on? Um, news, yeah, in definitely. News. Uh, so today, if you are if you are logged into this event um, and listening to us live, then you're not at the uh, V Forum Online Fall event, which is today. That's so right. uh, as soon as we're done here and you're done listening, then go go uh, register and check out the V Forum Online event. Um, if you missed uh, VMworld, you didn't have the budget to go. Uh, some of the reviews, some of the catch-up stuff on that. It's a really great event. And also, I think there's a new uh, GA, GA announcement, Horizon on Azure. So that's uh, hosted uh, virtual desktops running on Azure. There is a great blog post on the VMware blog, if you want to go check that out, uh, just to, to get the details of exactly what's going on there. Yep. Right, I know that uh, they're also going to live stream Pat and put up a, pr a recording of him as well. So right. if you don't make it in in real time, he'll, the, his announcements. If you missed the keynotes of VMware, if you missed everything, mm -hmm. uh, you can you can catch that. We're going to be putting that up, and I think they're putting up little segments as well. So they're doing some video and putting that up. So we've been kind of enjoying the Facebook live stream environment. We got a lot of traffic on that. So. If you miss it, you can go look for that. Uh, that'll be up today as well. Um, I know we're getting rid of mobile, getting ready for Mobile World Congress, uh, which is in February. Uh, so right. we are doing some planning to get ready for that. There's going to be a, some announcements there, and uh, so that has been keeping us busy. I don't know what else is on the uh, on the news. Corey Romero. I know we got all the uh, Corey's on the beam here. So for those yes. that are on camera. Yeah, hey everybody. I don't know if you can make him out, but um, Sorry, he is there. Yeah, we can, yeah, you can you can drive your beam. Well, you should. We're not going to adjust the camera because the camera. There we go. Nice How's that? Bulb. 
There you go. Oh, um, my goodness. That's right. He can control it. <laughs> but, I don't, somehow I forgot that until here. just now. On yeah, I can actually just run into people with this thing. So be careful, John. That's right. Drive him over. <laughs> yeah, I have some, some of the beans. news. Go ahead. Go ahead. Be expert news it is. Yeah, so we have uh, beta nominations coming up. Um, I'll reach out to the V experts, so keep an eye on your email for that. Not sure if I'm supposed to say the product, what beta it is for, but it's a it's our it's our yearly pretty big beta product. Um, v expert cloud. Yeah, we're in the voting phase. We're still targeting uh, October 27th for the announcement date, and uh, for V expert vSAN, we sent out 25% off for the VX or the vSAN specialist exam. Uh, so 25% off discount coupon for you to go take that exam if you haven't taken that yet. Um, and that should be in your email. So that's all I have for, uh, for VExpert this week. Great. Heck of a discount. Great. I didn't hear a word of it because we were, we were setting up John for headphones. So um, <laughs> did, you, did you mention that we are processing the cloud apps and that we will get yes. the cloud apps going soon? Yep, yep. I mentioned that. I mentioned that we're still uh, we're still targeting October 27th as the uh, the announcement date. And Tommy Barry reminds me on chat that um, GA for the Horizon Cloud on Microsoft Azure went. Uh, I don't know what it was this week. I don't know what date is. Tommy, if you want to give me the the actual date it went, but I think it was it went available this week. We went out on social, um, so it's out. There's a there's a blog. Let's see. No, that's not it. So we're I think 1024. We went live on Friday. It goes out on Friday? Yeah, no, we went live last we Friday. We went last Friday. Okay, so we got to hit that because it is now available versus a it's going to be available kind of uh, announcement. So right. uh, Microsoft Azure now has Horizon Cloud um, on, on their cloud. Right, so right. Cool stuff there. Um, I don't think I have anything else uh, planned or news-wise, so I guess we'll just move on and start talking about Fusion 10 with Michael. So, Michael, thanks for being on the show. For If people didn't catch you, you, you were on last, maybe maybe a year ago from the last release, but uh, why don't you give us a, you know, a little summary like of who months. you are. Yeah, maybe four, I was going to say. It seems it like actually, it was August. Yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't that long ago. But, you know, anniversary, you know, pretty box. Uh, but give us a, maybe the one minute who you are and what do you work on. Sure. So I'm the product line marketing manager for Fusion Workstation, uh, which includes Player. Um, I've, this year, I've been kind of dual rolling. I've been doing product marketing as well as product management due to some staffing changes. So I've been kind of just more or less owning the whole thing this year, which is uh, it's been very exciting, challenging, and rewarding. Uh, this is looking like it's going to be our, our, our biggest release to date. Um, I've been with the company since 2009. I actually started, I came from Apple, uh, from tech support to support at Apple in Canada. And uh, we came on to run the Fusion and Workstation support team back in 2009 um, out of our, our Canada office, props to Burlington. And um, we, have a, we had a great team there. It's sad to see a lot of those guys move on. But we, uh, you know, we, we led that team for a couple of years. Then I did a stint over at the cloud team. So I actually launched the vCloud hybrid service uh, while I was doing product marketing. And then I did technical marketing for that group, which was really fun. I really like technical marketing because it's like you get to make demos and tell a good story and but you don't have to like be the guy who like is responsible for delivering the roadmap. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's, that's more or less what I've done now, which is now in 2015, I came back to own uh, fusion and workstation. And, um, you know, when vCloud era was starting to, to change its position around, uh, I wanted to kind of go back home, so mm-hmm. to speak. So it was, it was very nice to be able to, to have that opportunity to come back and take it. And uh, for the past two years, we've been executing on a roadmap and, and getting it out and listening to customers, hearing what they want to do, looking at the market, seeing what, is working what we where we want to move and where what's not been working so we were able to kind of make fusion 10 and workstation 14 sort of the uh the fruits of all of that labor over the past couple of years and sort of taken charge excellent um so fusion 10 anniversary edition yeah. i know there was boxes so we'll just start with the box first what, what's yeah. the deal with the box yeah i wish I, I, did, I didn't bring one i'm sorry i wish i would have thought we were doing the, the video casting here but it's it's about yay big yeah. <laughs> it looks like an old software box for all those people that exactly. were born after 2000. Uh, software used to come in boxes. Yeah, we first, still have a collection of boxes. And our, in uh, the box was a thing, a silver thing called a CD-ROM. Right, got it. So just to get everybody up to You're speed. dating yourself. Right, right. <laughs> no, it was amazing. So, like, uh, you know, Workstation has been sold in a box since VMware 1.0. 
Uh, it was, you could go on the shelf and buy a copy of VMware before it was even called Workstation. We started calling it Workstation in about 2002 uh, for version 3. Um, but yeah, it's, so the box this year, you know, we, we stopped selling boxes online. Operationally, it's a hard thing to do. When you're selling software, you know, nobody wants their boxes. Apple's moved away from putting boxes on the shelves for software, and that's just, it went away. So, right. um, but there's something very interesting about when you're a developer and you've, and you've built some software to have something to show for it rather than some release notes. It's a trophy. Right? Yeah, it's right? Like it's, a, it's a badge of honor. Yeah, it's the Oscar. It's, it's a physical yeah. thing that said, I was there at that point in time, and like we did that thing. T-shirt with a logo. Exactly, yep. right? right? And it's not about what's on the logo. It's about that, what it means for you. So for yeah. us, it was really an indication of, hey, this is thanks to the community for doing this. So we gave away a ton of them at VMworld to all the EUC sessions, to my session. You had them giving them away? Yeah. Oh, we, didn't, we, were, we, we were selling them. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I, 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 I heard of a couple left. We, we were able to, to procure yeah, a bunch. So I have a, a ton in my office. But the we want one I have them. We want to set some props up because now we're doing video. So yeah. we want one so that we can prop it. I think so we can make that one yeah, work. Cool. We have to have yeah. a few extra props in the, in, the, in the studio. Yeah, we're, we're going to be giving them to the developers here in Palo Alto who have been working Makes so sense. hard on the product over so many years and have gone through so much change. It's our way of you know, just saying, hey, thanks. And look, we need something for you to kind of you know, put on your desk. Uh, we were selling it at VMware for 100 bucks, right. uh, and it came with a license for Fusion 10, a license for Workstation 14 for Windows, and a license for Workstation 14 for Linux. It was like 600 wow. bucks with wow. the software and wow. the tin, right? Yeah. And it's a metal tin, and it comes with a little collector. There's a USB stick that's got the software on it. it was, we had to get it slow-boated in from China, so the build is from March. It'll destroy yeah, yeah. your right. system. It'll it automatically update. Install it. Step one, update. It's like an Xbox. Right? Exactly. Every time I go play one of my old games, right. I have to wait 45 minutes while it updates. Old but that's cool. New ones. Ooh, like I got the latest version of Destiny. Oh, right. it's six hours of updates. Yep. But, uh, yeah, same idea. So, you know, the, and it has a little collector. It's like a, like a coaster. It's a metal coaster that's got Fusion and Workstation on either side, depending on what you prefer to show off or smash with your coffee every day. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it was a nice little collector's. We're considering selling them. We still have a few left over. We ordered a whole lot. We gave away a ton. We sold a bunch. We ended up with some left over. So I think we're going to probably consider selling them uh, yeah. for customers and shipping them out. That's that's pretty um, cool. That's like my, uh, I'm a beekeeper and I end up with too much honey, but I just don't sell it. Cause, yeah. Like, and I'm like, okay, now I had a really big harvest. What do I do with the last 50 bottles? Exactly. Do I try to sell them? Do I keep giving them away? What do I do with those? That's pretty cool, though. So um, it, it, they were, I, you know, we heard about them, so it made it into social. I'm going to go Google a picture of it. Maybe I can find a picture of said, said box in the meantime. Um, so Fusion 10, Yeah. anything interesting that, 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 that hits you when you guys are talking about Fusion 10? I mean, we talked about Fusion 9 and Fusion 8, so now, yeah. we're, now we're at 10 land. We, we talked about what happened in 9 and, you know, 7 ate it. Yeah, so we had 8.0 in 2015. Uh, in 2016, we released 8.5 as a free upgrade for everybody. And the same thing with Workstation, we released 12 and 8 at the same time, and then we released 14, or some say 12.5 and 8.5 last year, around VMworld at the same time we do every year. Right. Um, and we had basically support for the new versions of Windows and, and Mac and Linux and whatnot at the time. We didn't really add any other features to it. Um, it's a lot of so the way our product works, it's 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 really complicated. It's we actually take vSphere every year. We take their future branch, not the one that they've currently shipped, the one that they're currently not shipping yet, and we fork that and we turn that into our Type Two hypervisor. So vSphere, you know, ESX being Type One, running on the bare metal, we run on top of another operating system. So we fork that every year and we turn it into what becomes Fusion and Workstation. And last year we released, you know, we didn't take that new hardware platform. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the work of taking that hardware platform takes an immense amount of engineering work. Sure, and, sure. and we had some engineering shuffles happen last year. We had a team change over it's corporate stuff. It happens, um, you know, but we still have the same roughly sized team over in, in a different office now. So uh, that team, which is over in Beijing, they've been doing actually QA for us for several years already. So them taking over full time to do basically the UI glue, which is to take the, 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 the platform and bring that to the desktop. Um, so last year it was a matter of, well, we weren't really able to add a ton of features in addition to just getting, getting it all to and getting yeah. it all to right. work. So right. what we did instead was we just released really that as a free update. 
Uh, we just thought it was the right time to do it for users. And, and personally, since I started the company, I've always kind of wanted to do that one year at least where we have a, a free update for everybody. And I was very glad to get the, the sign-off to be able to do that. Now, of course... Of course, it was confusing because like, it's like free. What is it? Like, huh? you know, huh? Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was a challenge. It was a, it was a tough to, to position around it and, you know... It Does was, it mean it's always going to be free? Like, and are you guys going to free? And, right. And, and, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. and the answer to that is is no. Um, yeah. We're, we're very much to move back to our, our regular model. Um, I, I don't know what that's going to mean for next year, but I know that our team is innovating at a highly rapid pace. So what we're hoping is, you know, our roadmap says that we should have enough features next year for the release that it's not going to be a problem that we'll be able to update and not feel like we're shortchanging our users for for right. their, their upgrade dollars. But um, can you tell us a little bit about um, the struggle as a PM to, to really prioritize those feature requests. I think yeah. that a lot of people, you know, from the outside look at Workstation or Fusion and go, you know, what new features could there possibly be, right? It's, it's a lot more complex than that. And, sure. and maybe you could tell us about that. Yeah, we like to kind of, a good analogy is like you have $10, right? And you have a plethora of things that you can buy, but where are you spending your dollars, right? You could, you know, if one feature is going to cost you $7, do you focus on that feature or do you focus on 10 features that are going to cost you $1, right? right? And are those dollars, sometimes those dollars aren't yours, um, which is the trouble too, because we rely on shared services. So for example, metal, we did metal support this year. Our UI team didn't work on that. I didn't have to worry about spending those dollars. Right. However, uh, a team definitely works on that and makes that happen. The graphics team here, same graphics team that works on Horizon and, uh, and ESX and vSphere and whatnot. So, there's a lot of shared infrastructure around. So a lot of the time we get to sort of make requirements of those groups and then have them delivered unto us. So in those cases, making the case is just a matter of getting them to buy into the story and the resource allocation. Sure. Um, and then that becomes kind of a, a challenge because they have their own goals and they want to grow their own product lines and things like that. So um, there's you're, more than you're, one. You're asking them to take on your burden. In, in a case, yeah, yeah, you know, for the greater good of the whole of VMware, right? Yeah. And, and VMware, or I should say, and Fusion and Workstation contribute heavily to that by, you know, we sponsor so many things, we give away so many licenses, and, and that helps seed all these other things. So it's very much a, a two-way street. You know, we, we definitely don't just take without, without, you know, reciprocating. When we're talking about our own features, I think what we, when we think about how we want to prioritize a feature, you know, I look at, the thing in, in a couple of ways. Overall, I look at the business in, in, in terms of revenue, you know, how much money are we making and how does that compare year on year, which gives you an idea of how people are accepting your product because, you know, people can shout all they want about, I like this feature, I don't like that feature, how dare you do this and thank you so much for doing that. But they really speak with their dollars, sure. right? And that's, you know, how we live in this capitalistic society, it's how it works. So, you know, we, we look at revenue as a, a way to tell us, you know, are we doing good, are we doing the right thing or are we not? We also look at relevancy. So when I think about what features are going to go in, I think, you know, is this going to drive my revenue needle, or is this going to drive uh, an important, a much more differently important kind of an area of keeping these products relevant in people's daily lives? You know, um, it's not a huge revenue driver. Like, I mean, vSphere is billions, right? Like, we are not. <laughs> we never will be. Right. But we're super important, and we matter. So when we think about who we matter to, that's where we decide how we're going to allocate and prioritize our features. So for example, we focus more, we originally created, in the case of Fusion, it was designed for the home user who needed to run QuickBooks or some application that was Windows only. They just moved over to the Mac because, you know, whatever reason, it's fancy, it's pretty, it doesn't work, my son bought me one, what have you, right? <laughs> and, uh, and that was a very strong use case, but everything's a cloud app nowadays, everything is, SaaS-based, apps are cross-platform, almost everything everybody needs, there's a, either a unique or a cross-platform app that can do the task. So right. the whole, I need it. That one Windows application to run on my Mac, that use case is, is very much going away. So what we wanted to do was see, well, where are our opportunities? And where we see is, you know, power users are really using the software and, and growing mm-hmm. in terms of their, their speaking with their dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So we're seeing the Fusion Pro um, product grow a lot. So what we decided to do was focus on our core users of that product, which is IT professionals, developers, and businesses. Okay. So back to your point of how do we spend those dollars, right? We really kind of figure, okay, we want to have a nice balance and a nice spread over attracting new folks with developing oriented features, appeasing the and satisfying the needs of existing folks, which are pri- primarily IT pros, 
and then also kind of branching out into where we are in, in the case of businesses, right, which is usually basically around management. Uh, so we added features specifically for those, and some of those features we get for everybody, and we kind of market that to the, the Fusion standard user, if you will, like in the case of Metal, for example, right? Metal benefits the pro user as much as it's going to benefit the home user. Right. Um, so, so that kind of goes across uh, cross the line there, but we don't, because we don't have to spend our dollars on that particular feature, uh, we can focus more on innovating for professionals, basically. Got it. Got it. So in your role as product marketing manager, then you also have to make that decision of what features go into pro and what features go into standard. Yeah. Um, we're marketing really, it's funny, like growing up, I, I thought marketing was the worst thing ever. <laughs> I grew up taking classes and learning about what it was. And I'm like, you guys are all just a bunch of liars, right? Like, but then it, I, I, I got out of my childish self mm-hmm. and I learned that, you know, what marketing is, it's we're storytellers, right? So having product marketing and product management being closely aligned is very important because when you're marketing, you have this idea of a narrative and an arc, you know? And on a product management side, you want your product's features to speak to the story that the marketing people are telling. So having that kind of a, for me, being able to straddle both those goals has been fantastic because our narrative is that we have this simply powerful and powerfully simple virtualization solution. Um, it's, it's powerfully simple for end users, and it's just simply powerful for professionals, right? So when I build features, I think, how does those features tie into that story? Right. So in the case of, for example, we added an API this year. Right. The idea behind an API is it's a very powerful way to act and interact with Fusion's underlying hypervisor itself. Right. You can drive the whole thing headless, whether you want to just do it from the API Explorer, which is like a web page that is built in, or if you want to act remotely on it, um, you can control VMs, destroy them, create them, clone them, modify them, change the networking, do all that stuff, and do it all remotely. So it really allows you to... Um, to give a new, a new way of using the technology that we might not have had before. So right. to me, that, that furthers the story of, you know, we're, we're speaking to the developers. We're trying to add features that we think that they are going to uh, benefit from by being able to integrate into other things, right? That's interesting. That, that, that follows the trend that we're seeing with a lot of products across the, the VMware portfolio where there's been this new emphasis on API. Everything should be, you know, as much as possible available via API, and the GUI is almost uh, maybe a subset. Of, of it kind of doesn't even matter. You know, mm-hmm. we, we used to be in this paradigm of we're going to design this UI, right? And it's gonna, we're going to have little places for it because we're going to add these features, but there's this place for it there. And, and when you end up with the UI and it's finished, sometimes if it's not, if you don't think about it in the right way, you end up with a whole bunch of empty space because you're, you have empty rooms for stuff that you want to fill it with. But um, the UI doesn't matter. If you do everything right by the API, then you should be able to iterate the UI very rapidly um, without, and it shouldn't matter right. because everything, all the, all the underlying controls are all just automation and all API calls. The UI should represent what the current state of that is. So when you add new stuff, you can add it to the API and add the features without necessarily adding it to the UI, and then you do the right thing by the UI right. when the time is right. Yeah, the, the GUI is presentation layer. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Got it. So I, I'll drill down on the REST API component a little bit because that that did inter- that was introduced in Fusion 10. Yeah, it's yeah. a new feature. Yeah. Uh, we actually we ported it from a project we had called App Catalyst, which was uh, developed by our Cloud Data Applications team, and they had actually taken Fusion and forked it and made it this headless command line only based hypervisor. And we gave it away for free, and we checked it out, and we got some pretty interesting feedback on it. So what we did was we took that project and we pulled it into the product itself. So now there is a, an HTTPS server running in Fusion. You have to manually start it. It's a command, run, command line called VMREST. And when you run VMREST, you give it some credentials. You can in, uh, authenticate it with an SSL certificate. Um, and there is a basic level of authentication. So you have to create a username and a password, and it hashes the password, saves it into a preference file. And then when you're acting, interacting with it, basically there's a web server running HTTP or HTTPS on port the 8697, 80, I think, actually. A port. Sure. It's like if you just, you just kind of go like that. Yeah. <laughs> the four right keys. <laughs> yeah. With some, okay, got it. So I'll take you down. I got that. My question is, okay, so the the Fusion engine, which is a port over from these, or, uh, you know, the hypervisor, that environment, 
Uh, William, I sorry, uh, Alan, Renew must be happy. Some component of API. If I'm going to write stuff, is there documentation on what APIs are supported there? Because I, yeah. clearly it's not going to be the full REST API set because you don't have all of the products right. that, are, that are available. But how do I know what is available that I could then use? Because if I'm a developer and I want to write some code, uh, right now we're building our own home lab here over in the corner of our studio so that we can do some stuff ourselves in sure. marketing, right? Um, which is good because that's how we get the whole API set, you know, NSX. VSAN, vSphere, whole thing there. I guess uh, how do we understand if I just want to run Fusion 10, I get some amount of that API set without having to go through the trouble of setting up a home lab. Yeah, totally. The, um, so we work with Alan and with William both when we were in our beta. We launched this over in June. And, uh, yeah. I'm reading his tweets as we're sitting here. I was like, <laughs> following like, oh, wow, yeah, there's the yeah, uh, so PowerCLI module that's uh, now available. Exactly. Right. So William did a really cool thing by porting his PowerCLI module, uh, which works, and uh, it's pretty neat. You know, it's, it's, it's some very cool tech that they've been showing off. Right. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, because we've sort of done the right thing by how we developed the API, it makes it really easy for a lot of these guys to just consume it and add it into their other projects. So, like, Alan, for example, has already added it into other things. We've got the new CSS and stuff like that for the style sheet that we were able to just port over from one of the other, um, the, the standard one that we're doing. So it's based on Swagger. Uh, so the nice thing about Swagger is because the API reference is uh, fully documented and accessible. So we have it in a whole bunch of places. Uh, at code.vmware.com, yep. we have a ton of all of our API documentation, all of our reference material is there. So and we're is that already, for Fusion or Fusion and Workstation 14? We, where we so talking? it is just currently for Fusion. Okay. Uh, I think that the Checking. reception so far has been very warm. Uh, so I think that I think users are asking for us to bring it to Workstation, and sure. I don't see why we wouldn't want to do that. But uh, right. you know, it's work. Anyway, we'll have to port it. But it's going to be our DevOps solution from VMware, right? We're not going to go buy Ansible or Puppet like right. like, like Red Hat did. We're exactly. We're going to move the whole API so far forward. We're going to have people that are building on top of it. And it just doesn't make sense. If you're a VMware shop, you know, to, to if you're any of your have a developer working on the desktop, it just makes more sense to use VMware than right. to use a third-party solution like yeah. VirtualBox or that's even some right. native, the Hyper-V or the native Mac hypervisor framework yeah. for stuff. And, and that's what Code is working with Alan and, and William to do is build mm -hmm. a base of stuff that's out there that will do all of the, yeah. the DevOps provisions. So the anyway. API Explorer exists at code.vmware.com. When you access it, you have the full scope of everything that it can do. The raw JSON output, you can even look at the model, the JSON model itself. The... Um, all the error codes, all the responses are all there. Um, when you run it, the it locally, if you just hit up localhost port 8697, it'll give you that full reference. But it is, of course, also at code.beamer.com. If you don't have the product, you can check out how to work with it without even having to grab a copy of it. It is only available in Fusion Pro. So the uh, the API Explorer uh, is the first step. Because of the way that we built things with Swagger and whatnot, we're able to actually create SDKs for language-specific bindings. So you'll see that some starting to come around too. So like PHP, Python, Perl, um, the three Ps, if you will, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, right. so that that's happening. But uh, but yeah, all the documentation is just basically there, code.vmware.com or within itself. And basically, if you've ever worked with a JSON-based REST call response thing, it's standard HTTP. So it's the stuff that everybody knows. Um, it's actually, it's built using GoLang, um, so it's, it's extensible if folks know how to deal with you know GoLang modules and things like that. Um, More thumbs up. <laughs> Pablo, Pablo Roach oh, Pablo. does a drive-by. Because now, um, so in, just we'll take an aside here for a second. Yeah. We're in this new studio. Uh, it's now in the building, right? right Before right. we were over in a building that was out of business, and we've now leased that building, or we moved Pivotal into that building, so we had to move over to this building. But now we have, we're in a building, we have glass walls, and we're going to put a monitor outside, which in the building will actually live stream the the live stream so that way people in the, the building walking by can see what we're filming without having to come knock on the glass right because Pablo who you know runs hands-on labs environment just walked by and was waving <laughs> through the glass saying hey guys how's it going so there you go we're live <laughs> right, right right okay we digress cool. um, yeah yeah so the uh, all the documentations there all the um you know we're gonna see SDKs and there'll be a lot more documentation coming around that but like I said, if you ever worked with any standard JSON stuff, it's basically the same, uh, which is which is what makes it marvelous. Um, so we have a whole variety of users that are doing different things with it. I mean, it's 
whether you're integrating it into like a, a Jenkins type of pipeline where, okay, like you've had this code check-in. Once this code checks in, send off this trigger to the diffusion to kick off a VM. Once we've agreed that the VM has started and we've been able to pull the IP address out of it, send that over to Selenium. Selenium goes into the VM and does some testing, some UI clicks around, reports back. And you can have that all as an automated process, right? So sure. there's the kind of the, the stuff that we were thinking about what we're going to do, but there's also things that folks have been talking to us that are doing that were outside of where we had expected things to go. Um, so, for example, we have a very, very large deployment, um, someone who, a uh, very big company here in, close by in the Bay. They, uh, they build really, really awesome software for, like, shopping up photos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not right. to say who it is. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Who they no. have this really great technology um, for automating deployment of all their testing systems on the back end. And they actually use Fusion as part of this. Mm-hmm. So when we introduced the API, we had them kind of, we talked to them on the, on the private, and we said, hey, why don't you go play with it and just, without any help, come back to us and tell us what you think. Mm-hmm. And they had built a Mac OS as a service deployment system whereby an end developer who has a Windows laptop can go in and request, they go to a web page, they click a button that says, give me a Mac desktop. An API call goes to an email that somewhere else and says, okay, sure. They push a button that says go. That button then throws Fusion, calls Fusion, deploys Mac OS, installs tools, calls the IP address, sends the IP address back to the end user, Right. And the end user just goes remote desktop IP address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah VNC or whatever the remote. VNC, whatever they yeah, want. Right? And, 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 they, and they can VNC right to Fusion. Right. And, and, and you, can, you can have a, a, a big enough Mac that you could run 10, 10 different exactly. instances of a... With that a new iMac Mac Pro coming around, and they're going to have another Mac Pro, which yeah. assumably would have another ETH. You got a, a, I7, you have an i7 CPU. I mean, there's no reason you can't virtualize. Exactly, right? Yeah. And 10, in that case, OS's. too, they can also destroy them as soon as they're done. So it's like a clone operation. They quickly clone it. It destroys when they're done. You know, So it really allows them to have this agile model where... That's fascinating. Become, That's know, the best use case I've heard in ephemeral. a long time. That's, That's fascinating. Perfect. It's a neat one. It was a yeah, very neat that one. is really like neat. You, you always wonder how to clone out Mac OSs, but there's really no, there was really no way. It was it was tricky to do, right? But because Fusion can spin up another instance of a Mac and you can VNC it remotely, and then you have a programmable API that allows you to do that, there's just no reason you couldn't have Mac as a service pop up on my on my desktop. Exactly. It's cool stuff. It's cool stuff. Yeah. Now. Yeah, VNC. Yeah, it just works on a browser, right? Yeah, yeah, no browser works. native clients, it's yeah. everywhere, right? So you can either, whether you're going screen sharing directly into the VM or you go, yeah. like I said, into the Fusion port. Fusion has a VNC server uh, and workstation both built in. So oh, just, wow. once you turn it on, it listens on port. Yeah, and the automation that's in, uh, you know, Pro 10 allows that to happen. Yeah. Right? Without automation, it just wouldn't be, wouldn't be possible. Exactly. Yeah. The, uh, the other interesting feature, aside from automation that we built that was kind of surprising from a, a, a consumption and reception perspective was the uh, packet loss and latency generator. Mm, yeah. right. So we introduced a feature where on each virtual NIC on both inbound and outbound, you can specify how many, what percentage of packet loss and what percentage of latency you want to introduce as well as a bandwidth cap. So you could say make it, and it would list out kind of typical sizing. So you could say give me a cable modem, roughly 10 megs, which Nowadays, game modems are more like 100, but yeah, like, whatever. Um, so you know, 10 megs down and like two megabit, two meg, two megs, uh, clear. exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two up, 10 down, whatever. Right. And then on each of those independent latency and packet loss configs, so it really allows you to. So I get bandwidth. I didn't understand the relevancy of latency. I was watching yeah. a thread that William and crew were on talking about it. God, mm-hmm. this is so, so cool. But I didn't. I don't. I don't. I don't work in a data center. I didn't get the latency significance. So latency is. Uh, how the amount of time yeah, it time takes take. for a yeah. packet to come right. back in round trip, right. right? So it's really about testing application resiliency. So, for example, we test it internally on the Horizon View client. So we'll install the Horizon View client in a VM. Mm-hmm. We'll connect to our data center, which is like downstairs. So we're on like 10 gig fiber channel stuff. Right. It's super fast, right? But if I'm out in the field, it's not going to behave like that. And we need to know how the protocols behave under degraded network conditions. Okay. So, so bandwidth and, and latency because yeah, so we some turn all the degra- degradation stuff up right. and then we see, hey, how's Blast do? How does the PCOIP yeah. compare? What's it going to look like? Right, what's it do, right? So um, you can basically test how well your app handles those crappy network conditions. Right, right. Which, you know, 
to us, it was it was I'm an interesting feature because the, 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 the reception of it is amazing. Because yeah. we have we have that same kind of problem. I get it now. Thank you for that explanation. Yeah, like VoIP, Skype. Yeah, you yeah totally... just, just because we have people in Europe and we have people in odd countries where they're coming into VMTN and they're like, yeah, we, it takes us 30 seconds to load a page because mm-hmm. you know the latency issues and how much data has to go across. So exactly. you could do some testing local, but expand the latency and bandwidth so that you can mimic what they're seeing. Yeah, you can exactly. use the numbers on that. Exactly. Check out my... That's a pretty neat, that's a pretty neat feature. I I really, like, I yeah. just like the idea of still just uh, creating the, the clones of, or, or uh, VMs on demand. I mean, it's a, a good way to test uh, operating system updates or you know, different versions of applications against uh, different clients. So, you know, any number of uh, testing use cases, it would just be, you know, boom to do that. And, uh, yeah, and it makes sense. It depends on, on your, your cost structure, too. Like, I mean, vSphere can do a lot of stuff, right? But sure. not everybody wants to go and deploy a whole vSphere lab. Yeah, in the case of the, the use case I was talking about, the Mac OS as a service, it was literally like, you know, we this is kind of a testing thing for us. We're just trying to see if we can do it and what gains we would get if we did. But we don't want to invest on a whole vCenter deployment here for this one use case, right? So right. it's a... Uh, and not everybody can just afford that either. And it depends on who you are and what you're trying to do. Absolutely. And and sometimes you use that as a, a justification for it. So you, you do it on a single workstation. You say, look how cool it is. Wouldn't it be great if we could we could scale this? And especially in the case of uh, Mac OS, that means you have to you know be purchasing you know Mac Pros and, uh, and, and when did they when did they last get updated? And, you know, right. I'm not about ready to start going down on that yet. But right. Yeah. It's. Uh, and, and that's kind of the whole point, right? It's the, our, our, one of our positioning and one of our story points is that it's, it's more of like a vSphere running on your laptop. Yeah. Or, you know, the whole software-defined data center running on your desktop, if you will. But, yeah, that's a good move. That, that absolutely is a good move, especially as we run into automated everything, right? Um, and, and that's it. All, all the things are going to be automated. It's just it's the way that it's going to go. And thankfully, it's, it's sort of like the promise that we had in the dot-com era, except now we finally have standardization, 20 years of standardization happening where now things can actually sort of talk to each other instead of like, oh, you're using this protocol, Apple this, and you're using before even the days of the yeah. internet, you know, like right. go for over here, socks over there, like what? So it was, uh, now that we have all this standardization, we're able to actually talk to each other. And to me, I look at it as like a like Web 3.0, if you will, right? Like at Web 1.0, we have WWW. And Web 2.0, everything is rich. Well, this content is pretty looking, and, and, and there was a huge consumption increase. And now everything is mashed up. Everything You go to a web page, and it's not a web page anymore. It's a whole bunch of JavaScript atlets that are serving different bits of content from, from all different kinds of places yeah. on the web, all tracking yeah. you differently and yeah. you know, yeah. keeping tabs on it all, yeah. you know, which for better or for worse, but it's, it's a whole different world of where all the services yeah. are talking to each other yeah. now. We're actually thinking, we've got a thing called Community as a Service now, where our, uh, instead of running on Jive, we're starting to break up all the community into objects, right? And then and then community gets aggregated back into a viewport, right? That you know, it, it can be anything based on what your profile looks like and now your community is community as a service object delivered everywhere. Um, yeah, and the community thing is interesting because like, you know, we're we're very fortunate at, at VMware to have the community that we do and Infusion and Workstation we're very fortunate to have a, a huge voice of that community, right? So whenever we do a thing that's good, we get a lot of uh, folks that'll praise and when we do something that you know doesn't agree with someone's idea they'll they'll they'll, they'll mention it so it's really nice to have this close relationship where uh, i don't see that with a lot of technology vendors where they listen to their users and like oh look you know they actively engage and try to do that it's more and more now but it's always been one of the things that i admire about VMware is that we are tremendously engaged with our users and we listen to them and like totally deliver those feedbacks directly back to the product sure and uh and uh you know you, you guys are on twitter um i was just I was just looking at all the, the, the comments, uh, you know, with regard to 10 on Twitter, the, the picture of the box is out there. So uh, just to throw some out there, if you haven't followed, it's uh, VMware Fusion, all one word. So you can follow that. They have, you know, 12,000 tweets, uh, 25,000 followers. You know, you get to tweet at them, and uh, people are having conversations there, right? And, cool. At uh, VMware Fusion. Yeah. And, 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 and interestingly enough, I think the, the, the Fusion and Workstation products are not so massive that if you make a suggestion, you know, the, the problem with the vSphere ESX and some of it, we've done what we call ideation, which is talk to the community, get ideas, and then get the ideas back to the developer team, whatever. 
some of the ideation for vSphere, you know, you put it on a roadmap, it's going to show up in 2020 now, right? Because there's just so many things where and the so many development dollars that they have. Yeah, to spend that's right. And they have to prioritize and there's enterprise top 1000 customers that have, you know, big, you know, big needs. And so you get into that where the fusion workstation team and, uh, Michael Roy, the, 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 the killer product manager is attuned to that. And so you actually have, you know, if you're a community member, you can actually make an impact, right? You can suggest things and, you know, they'll listen and they're not, they don't have, they're not looking at 2025 before anything would get done. Yeah, and you'll, you'll see me, you know, we're in the forums pretty actively. Like, you know, we don't, it's not our job to be in the forums, but I've just been there since before I came to VMware. So for me, it's just, it's where the community is. So I've always tried to keep myself, um, I guess, in the trenches, if you will. Uh, sure. Whereas I know some product managers try to like just take feedback through like several layers of separation. Whereas I, I think that a, a customer is going to tell you straight, you mm-hmm. know, and I think that that's right. super important. Um, and then you as a person have to kind of gauge like how, how much does this weigh against all of my other priorities and things like that. But right. the fact that you have the community willing to share that with you, I think it's just so valuable. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah I'm looking at uh, girls who code are talking about it, right? Like, I, I want to rename Fusion like uh, vSphere for Mac. Like, I think yeah, that, right. that, is the, that is the perception that we have to kind of get across, right, which is... You're actually getting, you know, a full vSphere engine there, as well as the REST APIs. Now, you you're actually basically just running virtualization on your Mac. So opening the kimono a little bit, not gonna lie, um, I had a very personal kind of a tug of internal tug of war moment with the release this year because I was on the verge of calling it Workstation for Mac. Oh, like that, <laughs> The Fusion is such a powerful brand, it, yeah, it's, it's, and it's, such yeah. a, it's a whole other thing yeah. to just walk away from all of the, the search. If you're looking at tactile stuff, right. all the search engine stuff that's been done, yeah. you know, all the all the brand awareness that's been done, like that's you can't replace that. People would be cringing right now. I guarantee weird. you, if you set up a conference with a thousand people in the room, if, if you set that, they would be like, oh, well, you'd hear a groan. And, yeah. and frankly, I don't know. I think that we have a tendency at VMware to. To change our product names, names often pretty regularly. Yeah, too, too, you know? too much. Yeah. I think we're starting to get out of that, but I've been yeah. very adamant about you know this is what it is and that's not. Yeah. I, I have one happens. of those grow. I have one of those moments though where when we were uh, introducing um, uh, Fusion, I'm uh, sorry, Photon, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, why, why don't we just call it like containers for vSphere or vSphere, you know, containers or why do we have to have a name for a whole nother product set when really this is just all about running containers on vSphere? Mm-hmm. And so they did Photon, but then if you really look at what happened, we also did Vic, right? VMware integrated containers. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, containers for vSphere. And it turns out that, yeah, that's the way that's we went, we want. right? Yeah. That's what we want. It's logical, right? And this is and where Photon I've, still lives in there. It's still like yeah. part of it. It's not just the platform. Yeah. Right. So like even Fusion, for example, um, there's a command line now this year, uh, which is like, VM run, download template VM, I think it's the command. It'll actually download the latest version of Photon OS. Oh, perfect. Oh, neat, neat. Yeah, yeah. it's built into that, that whole developer story. There. Yeah. And I, I know when we were setting up our lab, like uh, the first thing we have to do is we have to, you know, set up a, a external USB boot chip, right, so that we can boot uh, to get Visa installed. And mm-hmm. the next thing you know, you're like, okay, all the all the all the commands to set up your 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 USB boot device is all on Linux, right? And you like quickly just over to Fusion, right? Booting up CentOS or Photon, right? And, click, click, and walk yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so it's all tied together for sure, and you you quickly find that you need to be there. And that's, I think why I have such a passion about these products because growing up, you know, I'm, I'm 36. When I was a kid, I had a Commodore and then an Amiga, and then I, you know, hand me down computers well after their time. I got them right, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, 286, 386. And then I ended up with like four or five 386s that people have just gotten rid of over the years. So I was like, what am I going to do with these things? Linux, what's that thing? And you start testing it out and installing it and figuring out how to deal with drivers and get my Matrox Mystique 3D graphics card to work under Meza 3.1 or 1.3 drivers and all this fun stuff from back in the day. It was so hard. But you learned so much about how an operating system works that when virtualization came around, it's like, you mean I can do this on one box? Mm-hmm just changed my life. And so for me, I want to give that learning experience that folks had, that I had, to folks that are new to this world, right? So as far as the virtualization world and, and operating systems and how they work, right? Because like with Windows 10, like you don't have access to that anymore. 
It's not an operating system. It's a service. Right. If you go to Windows yeah. Microsoft, they don't even say, like, if you go to Windows 10, the product page, it's like, this is a, there's a checkmark document at the beginning. Like, Windows 10 is a service. Right there, right? So it's not even, you can't even get into the underpinning. So like a thing like Linux and BSD and whatnot, being able to open it up, see how it works, understand it, learn it for what it is, um, I think is super important, super powerful. Uh, my, my eight-year-old nephew, I built him a computer for Christmas, and I'm like, all right, kid, here you go. Linux Mint, yeah. <laughs> 18.2, off you go. It, it, I'm torn on that because on one hand, um, we're in Silicon Valley, and we make a lot of money because we do know this stuff, mm-hmm. right? And we... And all of our listeners make a lot of money because we do know this stuff. And so in order to support our industry, we have to have the masses who don't know this stuff so that we can make still a lot of money because there's just <laughs> so many people that don't know it that if you do know it, you're still kind of a wizard, right? You know, like the old Linux terms, right? You were like, yeah. And, and so I'm torn on that. Like I encourage all my kids and I encourage everyone. And I'm one of these people that listen to the community and go, oh, you're doing that. I need to go learn that too, right? So you never stop wanting to hack. But then at the same time, I understand where there's other people who do other things and we make a living at it and so we love it and this is what we do. Yeah, some people are tool users and some people are tool makers. Right. And and I think we're... And we're, they're we, tool makers and then there's tool users that are making other tools. Exactly, not exactly, making right? computer science spectrum, right? Tools, uh, right? But we're, we're on the, the tool maker side. We know how to yeah. use the hammer. We know how a hammer should be designed. Right. Uh, we can use the hammer to build a better hammer. You know, that's for us. But some people yeah. just... They just need a hammer. I saw an interview uh, on on Twitter from uh, Wozniak, who was basically covering the same thing. Like, yeah, even Apple, I'm a little worried because everything is just a service. Nobody's actually getting into what it is. Nobody owns anything anymore. They're throwaway phones, right? So he was kind of, you know, expressing the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But at the same time, it's Wozniak. You're a geek. Right, you live in Silicon Valley yeah. and buy all the new gear that comes out. But, and that's uh, why when someone like right. Richard Stallman gets up on the podium and he's like, "No, no, GNU all the way," like you need to keep the software in your hands. You could go, "Yeah, whatever." And then other entities do these. Uh, walled, the walled garden plays continue to right. mount up. You mm-hmm. start to understand like this guy. Not only did he see things further down the road, but his message is one of like, "Don't, don't give away all that control." You know, just. Don't don't forget how this stuff is built. That it's been built by humans. That it's us that built it. Don't just give that up. Right, right, right. Now I got to put the GNU Foundation in the footnotes. Yeah, but I mean, still we got IoT that we talked about a little bit last week. Where at the beginning, where there's a whole other blossom of little devices that people can go play with and learn. And you know, you got Alexa and AI. Thirty-five dollar Raspberry Pi, and you can just hook it up to anything. You can do all kind of stuff. So, so as much as this stuff is steadying and becoming more of a service. There's new stuff that's showing up. That, yeah. You know, that, but you still need builders. You still need makers. And, and we're still and, building and stuff. And all that stuff so is cool because right. all that emerging stuff you can run, you know, for the most part, everything is becoming, again, back to the standardization. All that stuff is generally going to be x86 based. So you can run that stuff instead of a virtual machine. You can run Android x86 inside of Fusion or Workstation. Or all right. So I know this isn't part of your, your, your product shtick, but I'll just ask you the question anyway. Yeah. So we, we do have IoT out there. You do have uh, Ray O'Farrell that's going to get promoted up into Dell. Oh, Dell yeah. Are you guys uh, thinking about uh, small device management as well? So you got the developing, you got the vSphere, no, I, I got my Mac. and you know, now. I wouldn't say that that's anything in our charter. Uh, no. I think it's an interesting area that we need to watch. Um, I, w- I could see a play in where if we had, if there's some operating system or like RTOS or other type of right. uh, little, little OSs that run that type right. of, that control that type of stuff, um, to run that in a virtual environment for users to interact with that without needing the hardware. Right, uh, and that makes a lot of sense. But outside of that, there's not a lot of time. An OVA for no, I, that I mimics an, uh, an IoT device, yeah. right? And then you yeah. spin up fifty of them in your workstation, and then you spin up a control VM to, to actually simulate, you know, yeah. that, yeah, that yeah, interactivity. Totally. Right, that's a great use I, case. I think there's going to be some interesting use cases. I don't think that you guys will develop technology, but there'll yeah. be people that do interesting stuff on top of your platform. And I think that comes back to my earlier point, which is I love how when people use these things in ways that we didn't intend, you know, like company running right. Mac OS as a service, like we didn't want it to do that, but it totally works. And that's it totally great. works. But I mean, that's where AWS, that, that's where vSphere and AWS showed up, right? Yeah. Somebody figured out that they could they could hack a Linux kernel and spin up and NSX devices yeah. uh, in, you know, in in the kernel, which meant that you could have a NSX network going into AWS, and all of a sudden you had a secure encrypted pipeline into AWS, and you could run vSphere on top of it and vMotion things around, and next thing you know, True hybrid. it's it's a hybrid cloud, and next thing you know, Amazon's like, yeah, well, that's kind of neat. We could support that. And 
all of a sudden, you know, it's an industry. And it, and it grows organically, right? And then yeah. and then they just do yeah. one little thing to tweak it to support that use case, and then bam. So, yeah. you know, if there's a cool thing that we can do that will help the yeah. IoT use case, sure. I'm totally down for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, come back to spending that dollar. We we talked you know we we talked a lot about we're running up to the top of the hour we started uh, a little bit late so uh, we talked a lot about fusion is there anything from workstation fourteen that's uh, worth talking about yeah so both products got the benefit of the I mentioned the hardware platform this year right? so we've got vSphere six point five is currently out and it's that hardware platform thirteen uh, we've adopted hardware platform fourteen so it kind of gives you a bit of an insight into you know. What, what will be available in this standardized mm. hardware platform going forward. We, um, there, there were some advantages that we did from a performance perspective, taking advantage of newer CPUs. So if you have like a KB leg or one of the AMD Ryzen, the, the Threadrippers, they, uh, they, take, they have new virtualization extensions that we take advantage of that we actually in some cases require. Um, so for example, older CPUs are, have been deprecated. So then the Howland generation, when they first came out with them, didn't have this particular virtualization extension, so that breed of chip no longer is supported, unfortunately. We had to drop support for yeah. a lot of... It, oh, it made me really sad. It's a reason to go back to your friendly hardware vendor and build more gear. Exactly, and at, at the same time, it's like, well, the hardware is like seven or eight years old, so... Okay, that's you fair. Know, yeah. like how, how long do you have to support things? It, it becomes difficult at that point. So... You know, we, we deprecated some CPUs, but we added new features for newer CPUs to make things more performant. Uh, we added the packet loss network simulator and all that stuff to the workstation as well. Um, nice. Both Fusion and Workstation now allow you to deploy the vCenter server appliance uh, with like a couple of clicks. I like I refer to it as effortless deployment. So the idea right. is well, you take nice. the OVA, click file, next UI, give me my SSO credentials, what other credentials the OVA requires, next, 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 done. And you can pick like your small with pro with the platform services controller without it extra large whatever your size and using it tells you what the spec requirements are for those sizes. On a Mac, you can probably only really get away with the smallest one, but on a bigger PC, you can get away with something a little bit bigger. Um, you know, because those platform services controllers are like 12 gigs of RAM, I think minimum to start that whole thing mm-hmm. up, right? So from the OVA, so that's there. We, uh, the hardware version 14 platform also introduces features around virtualization-based security. So credential guard and device guard both work under Fusion and Workstation and Player on the new versions as guests. Um, so what it basically does is the way the technology works is Hyper-V gets installed on the metal, and then Windows is installed on top of Hyper-V as a standalone single VM, right? And it has this trap in the middle that captures certain calls and authorizes them or denies them. Mm. So um, this new technology, because it requires a, a series of other technologies, so IOMMU is required, uh, Secure Boot from UEFI is required, there's a few other weird CPU features that are required. Um, we were able to get that to work as a guest operating system this year. So if you have an environment where your corporate image has a mandate of having this as a technology, because it is now a part of STIG, and the National Institute of Standardized Technology, NIST, and uh, our standards and technology. So they've actually put that on the, if you're a government agency, you need this feature mm-hmm. to be deployed. So we support that as a guest. Uh, we also have a virtual trusted platform module. So the TPM is a little cryptographic chip, physical chip that goes onto PCs. And it is a, uh, it's designed to manage uh, crypto keys. So with a virtual one, basically you can enable services like BitLocker in a virtual machine and use the virtual TPM on the host to, or say on, in Workstation to basically manage the key. So you give the, an encryption password to Workstation for the VM, and then that encryption password is used as salt for a, a encryption password for BitLocker that you don't know. Mm-hmm. So you basically unlock your VM and that unlocks the encryption for the, for the, the storage as well. Nice. Um, you know, of course, support for the latest operating systems, Windows uh, 10, all the fall creator updates. Uh, there is a bit of a bug that we've got right now uh, on that one. So for folks, if you have multi-mon support and you've installed the latest uh, 1709 update, uh, it can, there's a black screen issue that we're seeing right now. Uh, we have the issue resolved in the new version of Tools, uh, but we have, the Tools team has not released their uh, updated versions of that yet. So we have a beta. Right now, so if anybody hits that issue, just get in touch with us. Get in touch with support, and we'll get you on the we'll beta. get you on the beta. Yeah, like 10. Yeah. 10.2 tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're currently shipping like 10.1.15, I think. So yeah, um, 
All right. Good. Otherwise, you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty good update. You know, we, we did a lot of a lot more focus definitely went into Fusion than Workstation this year. Um, Workstation is very much a workhorse that we don't want to rock the boat too much on. So we, right. we wanted to be conservative with what we added to it. We took on the new hardware platform, a couple of new features here and there, uh, some UI optimization. But there's some bigger work that needs to get done. To me, the UI needs to be completely overhauled to take advantage of all the new Microsoft UI framework stuff. Uh, we did that in the Linux version this time around. So we adopted GTK3 as opposed to GTK2 uh, before. So that brings it up to a little modern in, in that respect. But but otherwise, yeah, it was really just about supporting all the new stuff, uh, adding a few features, and, uh, in, and then adding the more of a business use case around this virtualization-based security stuff. Got it, got it. Now, one of your, it, am I thinking correctly that one of your downstream consumers is the Flex team? Yeah, so Flex, we're more lateral. So Flex is like our management platform. Flex basically is a, uh, a service that runs inside of the data center that can reach out uh, or that you connect to it from the management console, and then you connect the clients to it. And what you can do is allow the users, it's role-based access control, you can give the user a series of VMs that they are allowed to download. And so you go in Fusion, let's say, file connect to server, and then you type in the IP address of the Flex server, and uh, it gives you the list of VMs that you're allowed to download in inventory. You click the button, you download the VM, and that VM is able to have restrictions and policies on it, both online and offline. So some policies are built into the VM, so encryption, for example, or uh, you know via the drag and drop restrictions and things like that. Uh, and the other ones can be dictated over the over the wire. There's about 70 controls in total that you can lock a VM down. Mm -hmm. um, and some Flex allows you to manage that remotely. So if you have a VM that you want to destroy, like for example, if you have a contractor who's mm -hmm. only going to be around for 30 days, you can give them a VM and set that VM to destroy itself in 31 days. Um, or you can remotely go in and say, do it now, and then the next time that machine connects back to the Flex server, it uh, it'll auto-destruct. Got it. So, yeah, it's um, it's got a bit different release schedule. Um, you know, right now it's we've issued some minor kind of point updates to it. Um, I, I would say ex expect some changes in this area, mm -hmm. uh, but we're very we're very interested in what we can do for managing these things. Cool. So there's enterprise uh, controls that we can wrap around the use of workstation and and uh, uh, dissemination of corporate VMs. Exactly. To, to the, yeah. So you can lock, you can distribute the VMs, and then you can lock them down. Nice. 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 Well, we're beyond the top of the hour, so I will do a shout out that if you, workstation 14, if you're interested in that, uh, you can go follow uh, workstation on Twitter. It's VMW underbar workstation. So, uh, so another 12,000 followers there. Another ecosystem. Uh, Michael will be around as well. So yeah. uh, good there. Uh, business solid. Everything healthy. Yeah, this is looking up to be our biggest release yet. To be honest. Nice. We are. We are. I think the resurgence of computers is here. Right. We're 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 moving back in away from iPad flat land back into at least. Laptops, machines. I feel like the pendulum is over rotated a little bit towards the non-laptop, desktopy space, right? But I think I think the pendulum has come back. Yeah, I agree. Microsoft helped that a little bit. I think they're a little stronger now as well. Yeah, and their laptops are uh, their, their tablets are also a little bit more dual purpose, right? They have these hybrid things that yeah, right. run Windows, whereas Apple's iPad is like, you right. know, like my mom loves it. It's great. It's how we talk. It's how we communicate. But you can't build things on it, right? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, okay, great. Uh, top of the hour. Thanks for everybody joining us. Um, uh, any last words before before we finish up? I, I people that actually watch us on uh, on Facebook slash BMTN community. Hi. We haven't really played to the cameras much, and Becker, I'm gonna you know continue to dress better and lose some weight because we're gonna be on camera. This is gonna. We're going to have to improve our gig here, right? Definitely. But, we come in wearing uh, just uh, flashy suits. But we will look at the numbers and see how many people live stream us, and we'll come back and report because it is the first one. And Katie, you're kind of off camera. Um, you know, yeah. you can come, you can lean in and say hi, or you know, say hi on the microphone. Katie has, you know, is our, you know, DMTN community manager. So Katie, thanks for being in the room. I know it's yeah. like a, another hour of your week is going to be sucked into, you know. <laughs> sitting in front of the camera. Maybe we'll train Julia on the job as well so that, you know, 
but appreciate you getting us set up. Uh, we do have multiple cameras, so maybe we'll get better at it as we go and set up a little console in the corner so we can do yeah. even better. Get some more gear, get some more, some, some more right. sophisticated uh, camera setups. All right. To, I'm happy to help you beta test. Yeah, perfect. That's great. I I appreciate you being here. Thanks for coming to the to the, the studio and finding us in the new location. A little, a little bit of a challenge. We should really work on getting this on the map. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the the conference room that they gave us is not on the little maps on the. So when you're coming to find it, you have to find the room. Not you can't use the map. We, the, we'll have to put that in, in our invite notes as well. <laughs> All right. We're going to hit the big red end button now. Thanks, everybody, for being on the call, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks, everyone.